It's that time of the year again. It's time for the Gone with the Win Awards 2021 slash 2022 year. It's the third annual one regardless. And now is the time to get your nominations in. Thanks to our pals at Google. Not sponsored. I just used Google for this. But I'll be dropping the link down below for you all to vote and tell us your thoughts on what is the best of this crazy year that we've had. I'm looking forward to hearing them. But this is the official announcement of the Gone with the Win Awards, third annual. So basically everything from last year, from let's say The Invisible Man, to the end of this year, such as I Care A Lot. Something along those lines should give you a better representation. Thank you all again, and I can't wait to see your votes for the Gone with the Win Awards. Welcome, one and all, to another exciting episode of Gone with the Wind. Cue the music. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gone with the Wind. I'm your host, Manning Franks, the host of Gone with the Wind, the show about award shows where we talk about, you guessed it, award shows. Not a single mess up. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It is truly spring. It is spring at last, at least over here. Uh, in the U.S. of A. Uh, thank you all again for joining us. This is going to be a quick, quicker edition. This, I know last last week's was two hours, almost two hours at least, which was quite a lot. And we talked about our thoughts on the Oscar race and a more advanced breakdown. Uh, but I have some guests here today, and we have one of our uh, 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 returning guests. He was not here last week, but he is here this week to offer his thoughts in what we're going to call the Abe's Oscar talk for uh, for about five or five minutes he wants. We have Abe. Hey. How are you? you guys doing? What's up? Do I have to talk about the Oscar right now, or are you going to present everybody? No, not right now. We're gonna we'll we'll let you think, get your thoughts oh. all in order and everything, and then we're gonna go to the people next to you, who are Malcolm. Hello. In classic Malcolm fashion, and of course we have Dan. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be back. All right, I was about to say, I'm over here just kind of like, it feels weird since we started doing these on the afternoon on Saturday. I feel like, I feel that afternoon lull. And I know for Malcolm, it is for you as the morning. Uh, and for Abe, it is basically like noon-ish time along yes, that line. It's noon. And for Dan, with your schedule, you're probably just waking up as well too. So now we're all just like, whoa, what is time? <laughs> whoa, that's what it feels like. We're like, hmm, that's why I got coffee. To help me get through this. All right, but wow! Before we get through this and talk about things such as the WGA, the PGA, as well as our state, on well as our thoughts on the state of the Oscar race, we're going to talk with some man right over here who, in fact, did not get his chance to talk about the Oscars when it actually happened, or wasn't there for the live reactions because he was asleep, as probably we all should have been at the end of the day. But we have Abe. Tell us your thoughts, sir, on your the, the Oscars this year. What were the surprises that you took away from it? What were the shocks? What were the like, ah, this is my favorite? Like just give us your overall thoughts. Okay. I had not a lot of surprises to be honest. The only one that really surprised me was the Sean the Sheep uh nomination. And many predicted it. And I was I I, I took a, I took it out at the last minute, but mm. yeah that was the only one that actually surprised me. Other than that I think it was kind of predictable. And I just want to say uh, thank you. The Aaron Sorkin thing, I told you guys. It's a possibility. Why? Because directors like directors. As I think I mentioned Ben Affleck on the episode. I didn't remember. Money remind me, remind me on Twitter. Uh, 
Bradley Cooper. And there may be a lot of other examples through the years. And it's no surprise that a writer, which Aaron Sorkin's kind of is, if you think about, they ask you, what does Aaron Sorkin do in Hollywood? What do you think? Writer, right? Bradley Cooper, actor, Ben Affleck, actor. So that was my logic behind it. it kinda, and it worked. And I was surprised by the person that was nominated instead of him, which was, uh, what's the name of this guy? Thomas, Thomas. Interberg mm -hmm. from Another Round, which I have not watched because I haven't had the opportunity. But you know what? I, I, I didn't know. I didn't have a lot of surprises. Like, at the end, it's... you know, I don't I don't find excitement in the Oscars this year because of the current situation that I cannot go to the movies to watch those mm. films. I feel so tired of it. I went to watch uh, Kong versus Godzilla last night, and it was not that good. Oh, you know what I was. Wait, for? hold on. Wait, hold on. You got wait. When, where did you see? Where did you see it? It's not opening. Oh, wait. It opened cinema. up. In oh, it cinema. opened up in. But it opened up in Mexico. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was pretty much unfair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. Black. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was not nominated for Best Picture. That was kind of a... No. Uh... Now, were you more shocked that Ma Rainey missed or that One Night in Miami missed? Ma Rainey, because it has the two Best Actor nominations. You rarely see that. I don't I don't recall the last time it happened, but you rarely see that. Like, why they was not nominated? Well, there were eight at the end. Oh, well, Son of Metal getting nominated. That means people liked it. Like you weren't mm -hmm. thinking, you were thinking probably two nominations, the sound nomination, probably editing, which I don't remember if it got. I did. It did. Okay, so no surprise there, but yeah, those were my kind of surprises, my kind of predictable the end, and that's it. And Godzilla versus Kong, uh, that movie needs scale. That's all I want to say. It needs what? Scale. Scale. They you did, said. Yeah, they did not know how to shoot Godzilla and Kong. Well, you okay, well, massive things. next um, week, I next week, by that time, we will all okay. have seen Godzilla, maybe have all seen Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't, Malcolm, will it be coming to you, Godzilla vs. Kong? I mean, it is going to be in theaters. Whether I want to see it is another thing. <laughs> oh, we can kind of, we can talk about it a little more, okay. uh, and, and not in depth, but a little more once we, more of us have seen it. But I'm curious to see what you mean by uh, the lack of scale, or it has no sense of scale, is what you're saying, correct? Yes. Interesting. So I'm curious to see what that is, because I know, Dan, you see it tomorrow, you said? Yes, I do. And I know Malcolm is a big fan of the Peter Jackson King Kong, so he might be a little disgruntled about this. I know you. I know, um, Malcolm, quick, quick. Actually, this is, weird, this is a tangent, because why not? Uh, uh, you're not as excited about Godzilla vs. Kong. Is the trailers haven't done it for you, or just not a fan, fan of the franchise that have gone so far? Well, I mean, um, I... Like have I, I've never been a big Godzilla person anyway. Like, um, like the my favorite Godzilla that I've seen is the '98 one. Um, because I just recently saw the 2014 one. It's just really underwhelming. It's not mm. good. What about Kong? Kong Skull Island is fine. It's not good. <laughs> just not excited for it. I listen. I agree with you. I think I think it's merely fine as well too. I've not been blown away by any of these movies of the MonsterVerse, but I'm excited for this one because it looks cool, and that's it. That's all I'm excited. Ready to see HBO Max because it's not coming to a theater near me until Lord knows when, because um, all my theaters in my city are closed. 
Well, Regal did uh, announce that uh, they are opening theaters, man. Yes, I I was I was one of the first people in my. Uh, uh, at my news station to break that because I'm on Twitter looking at stuff like that. And uh, I was like, guys, we could be on April 2nd. We're not on April 2nd. It's only like Regal is only opening like in the big markets plus like Oklahoma and Washington and uh, t- Tennessee, but nothing in Texas. We're getting but nothing. You are. Yep. And we're getting zero in North Carolina. So we have to wait until the next round, the following week or the week after. So hopefully by the time you know, mid April comes around when we get some other films. Like, I'm not really looking forward to mid- Mortal Kombat. Eh, I'll be able to see Godzilla vs. Kong on the big screen, but I'm probably going to see it. I'm probably going to see it. I've never been a Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat guy, but I'm looking forward to seeing Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong in the big screen after I, of course, see it on HBO Max because I'm getting my, I'm going to, you know, watch it as, as soon as I can. No, do you have no AMCs around you at all, Manning? Closest AMC is in. Uh, about forty minute drive or whatnot, but I, I just I, I want to I want it's nothing, but I would prefer to go to my Regal because I've been a loyal Regal person for for the longest time. Plus, I have that I still have that card. I have the Regal card. I have the Regal Rewards app, and I want to use that and utilize that as best that I can because I I just there's something about a Regal. I've gone to Regals since I was little, and that's always and since our Cinemark closed down here recently, um, all we have left is. Uh, just where, regals. That's where's it. your closest IMAX? It's the it's the regal that is here. It's closed down. Oh, um, um, nah, it's too bad. I know it's only it's. I would say I don't know about A, but I would definitely I would say you want to see these type of movies on the biggest yes. screen possible. Is that what you want? No, I, there's no IMAX in my hometown. Say that again. Well, there's one, but it's in a museum, so they don't really screen movies. They have a museum IMAX in the museum. Where you at? Yeah, it's kind of uh, like they put documentaries, 3D, and everything. Like I remember, I went the first weekend it opened. They sometimes put some movies. They put the Harry Potter and uh, Dark Knight movies sometimes, but it's really where they. I have to three IMAXs in Orlando. Wow, that's <laughs> that's that's what happens when you live in a, in a bigger city. Like the isn't like the third biggest city in in um uh, Florida next to Miami and Jacksonville. I would say Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa. Tampa. Okay, I forgot about Tampa. Yes, Tampa is another big one too there too. Um, Anyway, we're off topic. Uh, So this is an award show. So we talk about award shows, unless I say otherwise because I have all the power. Muhahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah
Wow, 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 wow. What are y'all's thoughts? Oh, and of course, just for uh, documentary screenplay, The Dissident, which is not nominated for um, the Oscar, but it, in fact, it beat... Um, uh, in fact, none of these were nominated for an Oscar. So this is really interesting, the fact that The Dissident beat... Um, um, anything else but it doesn't mean much in the long uh the long scheme of things but uh what are your thoughts on adaptive screenplay and original screenplay uh we're going to start off with uh, abe what are your thoughts the fact that promising young woman that emerald fennel beat aaron sorkin at his own game as they say yeah i think this sells says that uh chicago 7 has no steam at all and it's not really gonna work and it's probably not gonna win a lot of things and if it wins something it's gonna be surprised uh, but you know, uh, I think Aaron Sorkin still has a chance. I'll still bet on him. It's more possible for him to win in the Oscars than win at. Uh, oh, well, it's weird because he's a writer and he has probably worked with hundreds of writers by his career. How many times was the writer the WGA uh, matches with the Oscars? That will be an interesting thing because looking right now, I was thinking about Grimm when you say that. You know, one bet. Hey, he froze up. Wait. Oh well. Well, anyway, so what? So uh, what Abe was saying, um, while he fixes all that, gets himself all situated. What I think you were saying, Abe, was um, that you were interested to see the statistics between original screenplay at the WGA and original screenplay at the Oscars. And from what I've seen, uh, I think there's a really cool statistic. I'm going to find that um, in the meantime. What I was able to see, and I'm going to correct myself if this is correct. Whenever a screenplay wins an original screenplay, it has a higher chance of winning the Oscars only if it beat a fellow nominated screenplay. So if Travel to Chicago 7 was not there, it, we, it may not be as indicative, but since it beat it at the WGA for the writer's branch, which the writer's branch are the people who should love Sorkin the most. In fact, if they won, I'm actually getting warmer to the idea of Promising Young Woman winning this being a second award of the night. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on... We're going to stick with the original screenplay for now. Uh, Malcolm, what are your thoughts of on Promising Young Woman winning against other stuff like Sound of Metal or Trial of Chicago 7? I mean, I think it's a... Got a really... Like, this one is going to help it um, a lot. Because, I mean... So, so I think Sorkin missed the... Um, did he win the Globe for screenplay? He did. He did, which is really strange. But it, it's one of those ones that, um, like, I think this is one that I think Promising Young Woman um, has a good shot as a really good screenplay um, and all that. No, it does, and I think the screenplay is is one of its is one of its uh, strong points more so than anything else. I think it's very well structured and how it tells its story. And I'm interesting to see, and I'm fascinated to see how this uh, translates or what momentum it specifically gets to. Because Promising Young Woman has had a lot of momentum going in, and I'm curious to see how that translates. Dan, for you, were you shocked that Promising Young Woman uh, beat uh, Travis Chicago Seven? Because I saw some people were switching its predictions at the last minute. Were you one of those people? No, I didn't switch my prediction, but I'm not, also not shocked that it won because it's been just gaining steam. Uh, I mean, just Emerald Fennell's been gaining steam. The movie's been gaining steam. Carrie Mulligan's been gaining steam. And, you know, the the the, w, the Writers Guild is, you know, an interesting um, award for them to give to that. But I think the Academy Awards, which is a bunch of other branches all voting, I think – I, I still think Aaron Sorkin's the favorite to win that at the Academy Awards. I just think, yeah, 
the script was good and there was a twist in there and it, it had some great dialogue, but I also think the dialogue and everything in, in uh, trial of the Chicago seven is fantastic. I think there's so much great dialogue in that film. So I think, uh, I don't know who said it, but somebody said, uh, I don't know. I was watching another show and they were saying, Hey, keep an eye out for Emerald Fennel for best um, uh, original screenplay. And, and, and that's obviously come to, come to fruition but that's only one branch the academy all these branches have to vote on some of these awards not just that branch right don't they do do they all vote on all the branches or just that branch votes on that award for for the winners for for once you have the nominate the branch votes on the nominations and the winners are open up to the entire academy yeah so this means the actors, the directors, the cinema, they're all going to vote on this. And I think Sorkin's the, the name that jumps out is like, hey, this guy is doing a great job. His films are great. But that's just my two cents on the matter. Um, and I was about to say, for those who say that he won the Golden Globe, he also won the Golden Globe for Steve Jobs, which in the end, I believe, missed an Oscar nomination, if I'm not correct. Someone, one of you all corrected me upon that, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, but if, if I could be mistaken that you actually could correct me on that, but I remember seeing that, but he won before for the golden globes. So the golden globes really do like him, but he's only won one other Oscar, which is shocking to me. And in fact, has only been nominated four times by the Academy winning only for the social network. Uh, and that other nominations are Moneyball, Molly's game and trial of the Chicago seven, uh, which is pending right now. Um, so Abe, before you were rudely interrupted by terrible internet, uh, curse you internet, curse you. Tell us a little more about your thoughts about, um, specifically adapted screenplay um, and what that, or uh, excuse me, original screenplay uh, apologies. Tell us a little more about what that means for Sorkin being uh, uh, coming out uh, below Emerald Fennel. It means, as I was mentioned, I don't know if it, this was cut up. So, so I'm sorry. That, We're going to find uh, out. Okay. Chicago seven is losing steam and it doesn't really have the one that it probably people were thinking of. And I think that also means promising your woman is it's getting hot. It is because uh, probably Carrie Mulligan is gonna win uh, best best actress. I'd say mm -hmm. also probably promising your woman is gonna do great at the BAFTA. Continue the theme. It's getting momentum at the right time. And Chicago Seven is losing it. You know that movie came out almost six months ago. It came out in October, right? The Trial of the Chicago Seven came out in September, so that's it, it's a long time. We saw we saw yeah. sometimes what happens when the movie comes out a while back. People start forgetting about it when other things start coming out. Exactly. No, and you're right. And I think that's going to be in the favor of if if Promised Young Woman can win more, um, which I'm curious for SAG tonight. Like for say, Carrie Mulligan wins actress, and but Trial of the Chicago Seven wins ensemble, which I think it is it's the obviously the favorite to do so. If it wins ensemble, then you're going to have Carrie Mulligan being like, "Oh, she's bringing out Promising Young Woman." Oh, wait, Trial of Chicago Seven that also still exists. So I'm curious to see what that dynamic happens because most likely, whenever you win WGA, there's a good correlation if your if your film uh, beat another film that's nominated also in um, in um, uh, in the Oscar and the screenplay itself. Tell uh, like that is an indicative that is indicative of what could transpire on Oscar night. So I'm interested to see if that if that kind of statistic carries over to this year. So I'm curious and excited to see how that transpires. Any last thoughts you guys have on the fact of uh, promising a woman coming out of nowhere and being the dominant one when it comes to Emerald Fiddle? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, she's, she's, she's really, 
gaining steam, and, I, and, and people are starting to really um, get behind that film. Uh, maybe, maybe and the fact that now it's on Blu-ray and DVD, and you can see it on demand and Voodoo and all these places, more people can see it. There's maybe more eyes on it, and that might be the fresher thing on people's mind, and that's what would get her, her the win. But I still think uh, Sorkin's the favorite. That's that is the, and listen. It's gonna become it's gonna come down to one of those two. I don't see any of the other ones coming out unless suddenly Judas and the Black Messiah is like, haha, surprise! But I don't see that happening. Um, but anyway, also we have original screenplay for WGA as well too. Excuse me, uh, adapted screenplay for WGA too. And I think that was one of the biggest shockers. However, it's are, are we, okay. Are we okay? Are we shocked that Borat's subsequent movie film is your winner? Are we shocked, Dan? You are nodding your head up. I'm going to start with you. Work your way back to Abe. Dan, are you shocked that Borat was the winner in WGA? Yeah, because okay, so he it's a film where he goes to these places, and then it's mostly ad libbed. I don't know how you would call that a script. I think a lot of what happens is ad libbed, and so I don't know how they can say that's the best script when so much of it is ad libbed and uh, like on the spot, like the, the Rudy Giuliani thing was like, they didn't, they didn't know they were going to do that. It just, it, as, as events transpired, they ended up doing that and getting her involved in that. And so, so uh, to me, it's surprising. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm very surprised. I mean, one of the plays, I thought one of the plays adapted into movies would have had a better chance at that or even Nomadland, but maybe that's the, maybe there's some ad lib in there too. I don't know. I realized that immediately because Nomadland had a lot of people who were not actors. They were literal nomads in there. And I'm trying to wondering how much of that was actually scripted, which I wouldn't be shocked if Nomadland lost the screenplay. The question now is, what does it lose it to? Because I need to figure out, was the full, was, what was that? Nomadland, yeah. Nomadland was not nominated. I don't think it was eligible. Was the father eligible to our knowledge? Uh, no, not, I, I don't know. Uh, I, no. I mean, I'm going to assume that it wasn't. No, but... no it was not. Okay. Because if the father, with all the love that it had last minute push, and if they're like, mm, Nomadland was not the best screenplay out there, unless it sweeps, of course, I have a hard time seeing... But if the writers went with Borat too, do you see that Borat getting not only supporting actress but possibly also getting a screenplay win two for two on the night is that something that's possible well the thing is and i don't want to i want to let these guys talk but look at the list of people involved in writing borat it's a lot there's a lot of people that would receive oscars including sasha baron code so maybe that's their mindset oh we're gonna give 10 people an oscar for writing i don't i mean that's just outside the box thinking there maybe that is possible so malcolm what about you um well i was actually doing some research while dan was Ooh, talking nice. um, and um there actually was a script that they did for borats too and because i mean like the old all the Kazakhstan things are scripted. And when it comes to improv, like it may be simple instructions, like they go to like go to house or like wherever they need to do the improv. But I mean, I, I think, I'll, but so th there is a script and maybe a 
bare bones kind of script. Mm. But it it is one of those there, like with everything like no matter what it is, there's always some kind of script. Even if it's improv, I think they need to know like where they're going to be and what they're going to do. So, um, I mean, honestly, I don't think Borat Two wins over like Nomadland. I think this is a case of um, the WJ thought this was um, better than the other ones that were nominated, but um. But I think it's just a case of like the one that I think will win Nomadland just wasn't eligible to be nominated. So, mm. well, now I'm curious. I'm going back to history about what has won adapted screenplay. Now I'm just curious going back along those lines. Um, oh, darn, there goes Ape. Um, so, what I was going to say, uh, so, okay, so for those who don't know, um, Malcolm literally just dropped the script for us. So, I'm curious to check that out to see exactly how much is actually on that screenplay because it feels like a lot of it was in fact um it was could be scripted in itself uh, any last thoughts you guys have on the screenplay and what this means for the race because again nomadland or the father there was a lot there were none that was not in when it came to adapted screenplay no i think malcolm's right malcolm makes a very valid point the things that weren't nominated for wga may be not were nominated for uh, the academy award and that could make the difference on what wins and what loses you're right. Uh, and I'm going to look actually right now to see what has won um, in the past for best uh, adapted screenplay. Uh, the year before, the year before was Jojo Rabbit that ultimately did win. Um, the year before was Can You Ever Forgive Me, which uh, did not win. Uh, what won besides Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, um, I was, I was, that was Black. That was Black. That was Black Klansman. Yes, that was Black Klansman. So adapted screenplay is definitely a lot more up in the air, it seems to me the case. Um, which I'm not too shocked at that one at the end of the day. So we can totally see something else is not even nominated win. So I wouldn't be too shocked if that was the case. Um, but anyway, while Abe's getting his, his internet fixed up, another award show happened this past week in the middle of the week. And that was PGA, probably one of the most indicative when it comes to the Oscars, because these are also ranked choice voting as because ranked choice voting is also the method that the Academy uses to rank their best picture nominees to ultimately give out the trophy. The year, the winner this year, which I'm pretty sure most of us predicted was Nomadland. Nomadland won beating out other ones before like Chicago seven, like uh, Minari, like promising young woman and even Borat subsequent movie film. This is starting to become a little bit expected. We see this and we're like, ah, okay. Yes. We knew this was the one that was out in front do we expect this to go all the way? And do we think this is a good indicative one of this year's Oscars? Malcolm, what do you think when this comes to the Oscars? Is this a good, this is good for Nomadland, no matter which way you slice it. But is this point, is the race, is the race over? Is this Nomadland's to lose? Um, I mean, at this point, I think it's safe to say that it will be Nomadland. Um, unless um, there's a surprise that comes out at, at Nomi at the Oscars, but at this point, like, Nomadland's won everything so far, like, in the best picture kind of race sort of thing. So I don't see it losing at this point. Well, what about for you, Dan? Is this, like, a I totally see this winning, or is there still a chance for some of the other ones to come out on top? Yeah, I'll be honest, Manning. I think ever since I saw Nomadland, it's been my number one movie of the year, and I believe it's the best movie of the year. 
and I and, and I've seen every movie that is nominated and I've seen some of them multiple times and I just think with the consciousness of America and what the country went through last year and what has what goes on in that movie the struggle that uh, the leading character goes through in that movie uh, I, I just believe it's the movie uh, America needs to see win the Academy Award and, and you know I've said it before I don't want to sound like a broken record but the movie that wins the Academy is the movie that the country needs to win. Like if you go back throughout history, it's just the right movie seems to more often than not win the Academy Award for best picture for the, because of the times that are going on, the things that are going on in the country and the, the various um, struggles that the country is going through. And I think, uh, Nomadland is the right movie at the right time in the right year for uh, it to win. And, and other years it might not win, but this year I think it's the movie that should and will win. So, uh, uh, Abe, hello again. I'm sorry. Abe, we're on PG. Tell us you're totally okay, Abe. Abe, for PGA, PGA is one of the most indicative of the Oscars, statistically speaking, um, unless... It, I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but PGA is one of the most negative because of the cross-reference voting. Tell us a little more about what you think um, this means for Nomadland and its front-runner status. I think in Luxeta, like, honestly, when I saw that they won PGA, like, well, I guess I have one right answer out of the 23 because they took out one category of sound. So I, I don't think this argument is going to win. Like, it's probably also going to win director. Probably uh, Poet Shaw is going to win best director. Uh, and it's gonna take those two away. We were talking about screenplay, but then my internet decided to suck. So, yes, tell us your screenplay. Gonna win adapted, so it's probably gonna win the big three with a with only one acting nomination. So, I, I think it's just a lockdown for the win. Like, I don't see any other film coming out of nowhere and winning it because none of them has the same theme as the cast. So, it's gonna be hard for anything to catch it up at this point. Like, we're less than a month away, yeah, less than a month away. So, it's gonna be hard for anything to catch up. Now, I will say, though, uh, as a throw ca caveat in there, uh, last year we had 1917 win PGA, beating out Parasite. Is there any movie that could, you know, come out of come out of the woodworks this last month? You said that they had a long space to cover it, but I, it, I, I don't know. There could be something. Out of, I, and again, I'm spitballing. I agree. No Man Land's probably the one doing it because it has Chloe Zhao uh, also in there. And that's a big indicator when director and picture start to line up not all the time. But for playing devil's advocate this is not the first time, especially the year that we're in that PGA has not gone the way of the, uh, of, um, of the ultimate Academy award winner. For instance, you look over at, you know, uh, BAFTA, what else could win BAFTA? If not, you know, you could have the father suddenly win. you could have, um, you, you could have, um, I'm trying to remember what else is nominated for BAFTA best film. Uh, in there twice, right. Right. It's in there for both. Say it again. White Tiger is in there both for both, right? BAFTA and Academy Award? For screenplay, yes, it is in there for screenplay for both. That is also very true. Um, but I will say, is there a possibility that it only wins picture and director, or is that not going to happen? You guys think it's going to bring in something else, Nomadland? I mean, well, I for the, long, for the longest time. Wait. We had everyone talk at once. That's really good. I like it when everyone jumps in. Okay, we're going to start uh, with Malcolm first, right here. Go ahead, Malcolm. Um, I mean, I was going to say, like, um, I think, as I said earlier, I think Nomadland's getting um, screenplay um, 
because I I think it's just a case of it wasn't eligible for the WGA, so it's probably going to sneak in to take screenplays. And so, Dan, what about for you? Do you see do you, do you see that happening? Yeah, I think it also is going to win cinematography below the line. Um, and I did have Francis McDormand as my number one for a long, long, long time, but I think now Carrie Mulligan has is creeped ahead of her. I think she's going to steal that one away from Francis McDormand. We're not going to get another three-time Academy Award winner in Best Actress. No, I don't see that to be the case. Okay, I wasn't thinking any of those two, but it's probably going to win anything. Do you see anything else winning anything instead of it? Like, is the fire going to win anything? Yeah. Editing could be Trial of Chicago 7. It could be uh, the father is the editing on the father is amazing. Is that is that nominated the father? I don't know. That is nominated. Yes. Yeah. yeah Those two on the editing because how they had to use the cameras in Child of Chicago to get all those guys and get their moments and and they had to banter back and forth. That's some great editing, if you ask me. And then the father. Oh my God! If any, if you guys still haven't seen the father, see the father. That is. I will. I'm going to. Well, I'm going to get it this week. So we'll see about the next episode. So I'm going to say if if Nomadland wins editing of the night, you know it's winning picture. There is no doubt whatsoever because it, it, it is bringing it along. I don't think it's the best editing out of any of these whatsoever. I think it's merely good editing. But usually the film with the most momentum, think Green Book that year when it got editing. We're like, this movie didn't have the most significant editing of all time, but it brought around because it was a movie that people really, really enjoyed. I can see the same thing happening with Nomadland, but okay, just think, just this, is, this possibility. Sound of Metal getting both sound and editing. Am I crazy for thinking as such? Because just for, because I, I could totally see that occurring. I think the one, honestly, there is a place where you could tell me any of these could win and I would not be shocked. Promising Young Woman included. Oh, that had some great editing. You're right. Yeah. Malcolm said something about that uh, on a couple of shows ago about the editing on Sound of Metal. He thought it was good. Is that am I correct, Malcolm, or no? I, I haven't seen Centimetal, so I don't know what you're doing. No, promising young woman. <laughs> yeah, promising young woman. Uh, yeah. Promising young woman. I remember you saying something about the editing a while yeah. back. But um, well, uh, go ahead. No, what I was about to say is uh, I just while we was talking, I did some sort of research and looked at the correlation between the PG and the Oscars. Um, and I, I went back la- last 10 years. Most of the time, it has um, lined up with the Oscars. Like, last year was 1917, the PGA. Um, the Oscar was um, Parasite. The year before, Green Book got PGA and also got the Oscar. Um, 2017, Shape of Water got Oscar and PGA. The year before that, La La Land got PGA. Moonlight got um, Best Picture. La La Land got the Best Picture for like one minute. <laughs> two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, two minutes? Oh, okay. They so, it li- so it lined up for one minute. Um, in 2015, um, Spotlight got Best Picture. Um, the Big Short got the PGA. That was a crazy year. 2014, Birdman got both. Yeah. The year before that, it was actually a tie at the PGAs. Twelve Years a Slave and Gravity tied, um, and Twelve Years a Slave was the one that ultimately got yeah. the Oscar. 
and then the the other two years, Argo and um, the artist both got PGA, PGA and Oscar. So, I've, so ultimately, like eight out of the last ten has lined up for the Oscars. So. Okay. I just want to make a, a correction. Green Book did not win Best Editing. Day. It was a. No, 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 I, I said it was nominated. If I say what I was say it was what okay. I said was I wanted. I meant to say it was nominated along okay. with it. Yeah. And Bohemian Rhapsody was even worse. But I mean, it brought along with it is not what I meant. I meant to say not it won. So yes, you're right. Hmm. Um, so. but I was going back there looking looking at the editing. Most of the time, the Best Picture winner does not win. The last one to win Best Picture and Best Editing was Gravit. Sorry, gr- sorry, not even Gravity. I was probably a slave. Was Argo. It was Argo 2012. Yep. So that correlation. I mean, director. Exactly. So what we could see technically is look at Ford V Ferrari last year. It got one of the sounds and it got editing. You could see the same thing with Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. You could have I... it see editing and sound. Go ahead, Abe. Okay. The thing is, when I'm looking at the winners, look what they all have in common. Tell me something. What? They're big, these movies. These movies are big movies. Whatever you want to say. This, these are splashes. This got all the sound and the cuts and the action sequence in the, the concert, whatever you want to call it. And not, none of these movies these you have it. It's Son of Metal and it, it truly does not have, have two scenes and it's so black and light. So that's that's where I don't see the correlation. I think it's it's a place where it does correlate. I think it's go back to Argo. Like you don't think Argo you think you don't think those you know those kinds of scenes and look what Argo was nominated. Well Life of Pi is different. Uh but yeah, probably Serial Theory would be a nice prediction that year, but I think correlates more with an Argo than it is with any of the other When I think of Argo I think of Trial of Chicago 7. It has that same vein of quick edits. It's, not, it's very a fast-paced film, Argo. The editing of Argo is something that I look back to. And like It was very... They managed to make you... They managed to keep you on the edge of your toes because of the editing. It was always fast-paced. You didn't stop at all. Um, the Trial of Chicago 7 is similar with a couple of slow beats in there, which I could totally see Trial of Chicago 7 winning editing, but I don't see it winning it by itself. What's the last movie to win just editing? That's the thing. You, I don't know if that has happened and like... Lord knows it, how long it would need screenplay and editing. Is what it would. You're getting at. Yeah. It would need that to me, at least in my opinion, unless somehow whatever um uh, uh Merrick's, uh whatever um Ace Eddies. I'm curious what Ace Eddies is going to go for. I'm going to look at what they're nominated for. What's nominated there, uh, real fast. Um, but in the meantime, uh, what are your final thoughts on PGA's win and what it means for Nomadland? Yeah, I'll tell you. This this is what Abe said. I think this is the nail in the coffin. I think this looks. Like it's it's a slam dunk. Might be one of the most obvious Oscar winners in years. Uh, whether like there's just nobody that's gonna have a chance to beat this, uh, or for film and direct, this might be such a lock for both of them. Yeah, which yeah. is funny because a year that's very unpredictable in a lot of areas. We're kind of like, eh, we know a picture and director is gonna be, but I find it really interesting. We're still figuring out the rest of it below the line. You Anyone know, else have I any other thoughts? I went back to all 1990 and no film. I well, I don't think so. Like just <laughs> just skimming through the just skimming through the. I don't think there's a movie that has only one editing. So that's that's an interesting point. But I'm mm-hmm. also looking back. I noticed that usually the best picture used to win editing. The English picture did. World Cup did. And I think you know th- because there is nothing this year that is like this is the best edited film of the year. Like last year, people were 
touting Ford v Ferrari as like the one to beat. People love that one. Bohemian Rhapsody is still to me a big outlier, but we won't talk about that. Uh, Dunkirk, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, Mad Max Fury Road, Whiplash. People were talking about oh, the editing so good in that one. No one has said the editing of this year is so phenomenal. There's no film that I've seen where people have been like, yes, look at this editing. This is really good. I could be wrong. I say that a lot, but I could be wrong. I'm never, I'm never perfect, guys. I mean, a lot of these movies are good, nicely edited for the way they had to edit things um, in 2020. That, like, there's so many things that they had that meant they couldn't sort of get a whole team together to be able to edit. They had to do it sort of through um, sending good emails. Point. Yeah, I remember listening to an interview with Aaron Sorkin, and he 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 was on a Zoom call with the with the editors. He's like, he needs to one place, and they're in another place. And I mean, it was like a very interesting uh, uh, deal to edit Trial in the Chicago Seven. He, he said in the interview, it was not easy. He said. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see, because you go back to the Ace Eddies right now, which I'm looking at, for edited feature, you have Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, basically, switch out Minari and Mank for The Father and Promising Young Woman, which Promising Young Woman is in comedy edited feature film, which I find to be interesting, considering it's never been in comedy anywhere else. Um, um, wasn't it in comedy in uh, The Globes? No, it was in drama. Um, so the first time that that has, um, I, I have seen it in there. Uh, but let's say it's not going to be Manker Minari. Let's say that I'm going to look at the correlation real fast, but we're going to find out when they ultimately have and announce the winners when that happens. Um, uh, like the last 10 years from what Hollywood reporter is saying is that the winner of the Eddie for best animated dramatic feature went on to win the Oscar for in film editing. So whatever wins there, you can almost bet your bottom dollar that it's going to go to the um the the eventual oscar winner as well so okay well i'm curious right now uh if you guys had to make the bet right now what is winning editing and does it correlate with best picture at all dan um god almighty i mean i don't think editing is going to correlate with best picture this time around but if it did forget about it it's a lock all the way along for nomadland if it did because nomadland is going to win best picture and best I don't think I think something's going to come out of the woodwork and get editing. And I think Manning, you 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 said a mouthful when you mentioned Sound of Metal. There's some great editing with with the with the um, the what's it called the uh, the with the hands the sound language sign language and then the oh yes sign language how they portray that yeah there's some great when it comes to that kinds of stuff. So it, it very well could be that, but I mean. I think if the father's in there, the father could come out of nowhere. If people start seeing that film, they'll realize the editing is amazing in that film. It's seamless editing, but it's not the easiest. Like you're thinking, okay, how? And for a play that's based turned into a movie, the editing is amazing. It's seamless. And you 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 are you're disoriented when you're watching it, and you 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 don't know what's going on. But it's seamless editing, so that to me might get father to get the editing. Hmm. And Malcolm, what about you? What do you see winning uh, editing, and do you, does it correlate with the best picture? Um, I'm going to 
going off, um, I, I agree that it probably won't correlate to best pitcher this year. Um, but I, I, I'm sticking with promising young woman um, pulling out editing. So. All right. And then for what about you, Abe? Is there a correlation and who wins? I, I do think it's going to be a correlation because I don't see anything else coming. Well, probably after BAFTA and the A-Series, I'm going to have a different thought. So yeah. I I will not bet a dollar on that. But yeah, I don't. I, I find it totally hard that that's you know i just want to say something i think it's the first time in years that i don't like any well i don't love any of the best picture nominees well i watched five out of the eight and i don't love any of them I don't oh really wow like some, but i don't love any of them i just want to see wow yeah. that is that that is a shocker right there to know about that no there are some that i definitely love and adore uh but real quick um for me also i um i can't tell you what on earth is going to win but i'm still going to go with the sound of metal personally um I think there, Abe could be right. Malcolm definitely be right, and Dan could be right as well too. There could be anyone. I think it's. I, I think it'll be safe to say that I don't think Trial of the Chicago Seven is going to win unless it gets screenplay as well. Because I, it's hard to see a lone editing win, personally. But it could be a first. We've always had years of firsts, and this could be the first for sound editing without anything else. Sorry, editing without anything else. Um, and there's only correlation is going to be is if it's Nomadland winning editing. Go ahead, Malcolm. I was, I was about to say. Um... I mean, you could argue that this is uh, the Oscars have already made a lot of firsts already. Like, um, yes, especially they have. With, with hash, especially having like a two females nominated for best director, um, and then like even two sort of um, people of um, foreign descent and stuff nominated in the same category as well. So there's definitely a lot of firsts that they've already done this year, so they might continue that trade. What I was going to also add is that the BAFTA film editing is the exact same as Oscars. It's The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of Chicago 7. It is the exact same five. So I think whatever is going to win there, look for it to win there. Because usually there's like one or two that miss, but this was the exact same this year, so I'm curious to see how that translates. Um, but yeah, oh, quickly, also, for the documentary... Um, I'm not sure if you all have seen it yet, but um, for a PGA documentary, what won this past year um, was My Favorite Octopus. Uh, have you all seen My Favorite Octopus? And of course, uh, did you guys have that predicted? And do you see that winning? My octopus teacher. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, that's this, this editing is amazing on that. But cinematography and all that other stuff is where it really, really shines. What about I for you, Malcolm? Did you? I have no comment. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I haven't heard of a movie called My Favorite Octopus. So I've heard of My Octopus Teacher. <laughs> oh, wow. Did I say? I just completely admit my favorite octopus. Wow. My brain was like, wait a minute. What am I thinking? My favorite octopus. You can name a lot of hey, movies with it a and it will have a different plot. It's really my favorite octopus. You can name an anime. Man, he usually gets people's names wrong. This time he's getting the names of films. Do you actually know that I have accidentally, I have accidentally called it my favorite octopus teacher before, and for some reason I just want to keep calling it my favorite octopus. I don't know why I want to do that. It's not the first you time it's happened. You love that octopus. Is it, is, it, is it your number one movie about an octopus? It is actually my number one movie about an octopus. Unless someone else is like, "What about this octopus movie?" And I'm like, "Oh, sure dang." Finding Dory that. isn't up there. You sure Finding Dory isn't up there? Nope, I don't care for Finding Dory actually. Ed, 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 Ed O'Neill was great as the octopus. He was, he was great. I will completely admit that. Um, but no, that one up against my fate. 
my octopus teacher won <laughs> up against um, David Angeber, a life a life on our planet. Dick Johnson is dead. Softy, a thousand cuts. Time and the Truffle Hunters. Obviously, the only things that was nominated again was Time uh, in the Oscars. Uh, do we think this cements my octopus teacher as the one to look out for? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's possible, but once again, something can come out of nowhere. That take. I did. I did, Malcolm. I did hear an interview with um, somebody this week, just saying they had eight thousand hours of footage to edit together to make my octopus teacher. Now, tell me, that is a lot of hours of footage to turn into a. That is That's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I, I love the My Octopus Teacher. It is. And I think that's indicative of all the hours, the year that he spent with that octopus, which I won't spoil anything, but go out and see it. It's a very beautiful film. Not my favorite documentary. Collective is actually my favorite documentary but of the year so far. But still go out and see it. It's very powerful, very beautiful. It's a great documentary. And last but not least, the Oscars have... Rich, have um, oh, actually, Soul One, guys. Are we shocked? Soul one PGA. No, nothing. Cool. Moving right along. So the Oscars this past week have issued a statement that there will be no zooms and have mandated the fact that you cannot appear. If you do not appear in person, you cannot appear at all. Why they go get about doing this, we are not sure. Um at this point, I don't think there has been a there been a statement. Deadline has merely reported this. Whether the confirmation has take place or they're going to they're going to backtrack this, uh, we're going to find out because uh, two meetings were scheduled for Friday, March nineteenth. I am reading right now from Variety, one for film studio executives, the other for personal publicists to discuss international nominees guidelines and the requirements needed to participate in the show. That meeting was postponed to Tuesday, Mar- March twenty uh, March twenty third, before it being abruptly canceled the evening before it was scheduled to take place. No new date has been given. There's been no clarity, groused one studio executive. It's incredibly frustrating. So, um, some people have have issued their frustration with the fact there has been no clarity in what they're going to be doing. In fact, Emerald uh, uh, Fennell, who we all know is the director of Promising Young Woman, said. I was asked if she would attend the ceremony later in the article. It was, she quoted was saying, I hope so. She said, I'm desperate to the idea of missing is so awful and I can't bear to think about it. Obviously it's whatever is safe and allowed, but I'm not going to break the law by swimming the Atlantic though. I would, if I had the time and the core strength, I appreciate the humor there. Um, but she can't go now because apparently there's an international ban on travel in the United Kingdom until May 17th past that Oscar date. Um, and possibly until June. Uh, with a large fine being given to anyone traveling unless it's for a, quote, good reason. So with all this going on and a lot of miscommunication, do we think they're going to backtrack upon this? And how do you think the Oscars are going to be doing? Because I know they're eager to avoid Zoom thank yous after some of the iffy stuff that's happened with both the Grammys and um, which is mostly all in person and um, the Golden Globe, which we had a couple of fiascos. It was just kind of awkward overall with how they did things. Are they going to backtrack? And what are your thoughts on the fact that they are like, no, only I see Dan nodding and I see Malcolm ready to talk and I know we're all ready to, to jump up. Um, what are the thoughts, your thoughts on the fact of the no Zoom mandate? Um, we're going to do any, any, minor when you're not it, Dan. All right. So one of the things about the Academy Awards that we love are the acceptance speeches they they they're just things that are just so off the cuff you know you get 
Roberto Benigni stepping all over people. You got, they love me. They really love me. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Well, what happened at, at the um, Golden Globes this past uh, awards? You had something that nobody saw coming. Alan Kim gets on there. He's a, Yeah, she's a little kid. but And he starts bawling and he's crying. And then you had Chadwick Boseman's widow s- sitting on there. And she's telling this just touching story. And then you had... Rosamund Pike and and, and her, uh, you need to get these people on here any way you can. And if it means Zoom calls, then you do Zoom calls. You can't force these people to not come on the show if they can't travel ban or whatever. If they're in England, they can't come over. And Farrell has a legitimate shot at winning stuff. I mean, how can you not have her on the show and just have a picture of her and up, Emma Fennell, up, we accept this award. That's going to be the most boring thing, have a, have a bunch of those where people, <laughs> we accept would. this on behalf of this person, we accept this on behalf of this person, we accept this on behalf of that person. That's the that's going to be the most boring Academy Awards ever. You want that though, that, that off the cuff, that emotion that, that we love about the Academy Awards. And if you have to do Zoom, you do Zoom. I mean, it's, it's to me, it's a no-brainer. You need to get as many people there who can accept, whether it be in person. Obviously, they're not going to have the trophy in their hand. We know that, all right? But they're going to be able to accept the award and give their honest, emotional response to winning and thank people. That, to me, is the thing that I want to see most about the Academy Awards is people give their honest emotional acceptance speeches. And that's, we need it. We need Zoom mm-hmm. if you ask me. Here, 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 here. Thank you for that rant, Dan. Uh, Malcolm, your thoughts? I mean, look, after the fiasco of the Globes, I don't think they're going to backtrack on those, on, on this. Um, but what I think they might do is they'll go look if you can't make it uh, record a acceptance speech and send it through so that on the off chance that they do when they can go well we've recorded this acceptance speech so i mean it's it's one of those ones that i don't really want to see another award show where they use the zoom things just because the, like it it just doesn't didn't it didn't work for the globes. It just was so messy. I mean, one mishap, Malcolm. The one mishap. Well, I don't. I mean, it, 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 it's they may have only had one mishap. I still thought there were awkward messy. moments. That is there's true. Lot, there's a lot of awkward moments. It just felt really messy to me. Uh, Abe, you're ready to jump at the bit. Tell us. Uh, I don't think what Malcolm is saying is possible because of the accounting firm. It's like an accounting firm, right? That it's higher because those those envelopes have to be open at the night. Like that's the true. It's not possible, yeah, no, right? no, no, well, no. You're gonna ask five people to record a speech. It's gonna be the awkward thing. Nobody's gonna want D- to. Do WGA it. did that. They did that this past week, and so everyone pre-recorded their acceptance speeches. So it was really awkward. That's gonna be so sad. Nobody, you know, I, I, and I don't want to cut you off, Abe. Nobody, you're not gonna want to have. You don't get the the real emotion when you're pre-recording an acceptance speech, you know, because you, you don't know, know you if you actually, when yeah. you oh, what are you going to fake? They 
thank you, thank you, I love you. And I want to thank this person and that person and this person. You really think you're going to get the right emotion, the, the true, uh, if they're crying or if they're jumping for joy or if they're smiling or whatever, from a pre-recorded uh, acceptance speech? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a, a TV show, and they want to have those raw emotions and generate people, audience. And people are going to tune in when they know something good is happening. You know, like the La La Land thing. I don't know the rate, how the the ratings peak at the time that uh, La La Land, the La La Land fiasco happened. But they all want that. And that, that's the only way you get it with real emotions, with people there or whatever you use some calls. And it's, I mean, it's not the best thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Having, so, uh, go ahead, Abe. I thought you were done. I don't know, having, having the... I mean, the people that cannot travel to Los Angeles, like, accept their Oscars. So just be there on screen. Maybe they don't win, but they're there. What I was going to add is that in the article that I'm continuing reading, uh, producers at uh, this is the, from the article from Variety, which I'll link in the description down below. With producers eager to avoid Zoom thank yous, there has been a push to allow films, to allow winners to pre-record speeches instead. But that comes with its own problems. Because there's concerns those speeches would appear flat, lacking the publicist's fear, or lacking the lacking the rush of excitement that comes with being a declared victor. Also, talent and publicists fear the recordings of the losing nominees could leak online, making their clients look bad. So it's also a publicist fear that they have of these possibly leaking if they're all pre-recording it, and then it'll look bad upon their part. Another one that it says um, is that there are rumors the Academy would ask for nominees to quarantine anywhere from 5 to 14 days prior to the ceremony after attending the Oscars. The talent can't just return to work. In many cases, attendees would need to quarantine for another 14 days after after leaving the U.S., that would shut down the productions from 10 to 30 days for people to attend the ceremony, potentially costing millions, studios millions of dollars in delays. Uh, and right now, it doesn't appear the producers have asked for information on whether attendees have been vaccinated or not, which I think is going to be a question they should ask. Uh, because either way you put it, you're going to spend a lot more money in this getting people to there or whatnot, whether you get them far in advance and like, hey, if you know you're not going to be able to make it, or if you need a, quote, good reason, let's talk with your government or let's do something along these lines. Let's find a way to make it work. Maybe there are two live shows, one happening in England for those who are currently there and one happening in America or like how they had the Golden Globes. They split it up. Maybe it's like a live show happening subsequently. So it's not the exact same thing. However, if it's in England, you're going to be up at like, what, 3 a.m. or something like that. So I feel for them tremendously. Um, either way we look at it, it's going Ready. to be it's going to suck. Yes. If they tell you you're going to win an Oscar, probably. Yes, I'm going to be up at 3 a.m. What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, unless I'm Anthony Hopkins, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to sleep yeah. if I'm Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in, in the case of... Um, in the case of using um, England as an example, that if they do do a, like, two, a live show over there... Uh, because I'm not sure how many sort of British people are nominated. What they could do is do something like what they did for do for the um the science and technical stuff. Maybe have their um. I mean, now it's, it's going to be messy. Um, all, all the same. It's going to be messy. Not, yes. Because I mean, once again, you're not really going to know. Um, like the only people who will know is the people who are counting um the vote. So you're not really going. To, um, you make a good point, Malcolm. What if but, uh, nobody but, uh, was there? 
You just announce the winners. And then nobody gets to accept this. Just, up. Oh, this is the winner. Move on to the next one. This is the winner. Move on to the next one. This is the winner. That may be the best way to do it then. That way. Do a 1923 style ceremony. That's what? <laughs> Between 20 and 40 minutes? Yeah. You just announce the winners. That'd be horrible. No. no nobody else. <laughs> no. Malcolm, what were oh, you going to say? You know, the best say is, um, I I don't want them to do that. that just, oh. That's going to take away the whole spirit of the Oscars. Out. It's, but I mean, it's one of those ones like you've got the maybe you have the people who who like watching the Oscars to find out who won and who barely watched it anyway to get interested. Like, oh, they're, they're not going to do any of the usual bullshit the Oscars do, but they're going, I'm going to find out the winners boom, 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 easily. Um, but I mean, this is one of those ones that um, I think it's one of those. There's really no right of. This is going to be one of those risky things, regardless. Um, and I mean, like, it's one of those ones. Like, even in the going back to the pre-recorded things um, on. Biz- I, like if people recounted the votes, if they find out like um, this person has won, but they know they're not going to make what say they, but they count the votes and see Emma Fields go, um, going to win screenplay, and but there's no way she's going to get it. They, um, whoever's in charge of the um, the counting could. Um, could contact the winner somehow and go, you're going to win. Uh, but if you, you know you can't make it, do you, um, I'll suggest you record a message. That could be a way to work around it. I don't know if that's going to make it less messy or not. Um, but yeah. And I will tell you this to add to, add to Mal- Malcolm, you're right. You're right. It's no matter how you look at it, it's, it's just going to be a mess. It's just, there's no easy way to do this. There really isn't. But I'll tell you, just looking at potential winners, I'm just only, these are just potential winners here, okay, guys? People that are out of country, out of our my country that I live in currently, not counting Malcolm or Abe's country. Gabe, are you in Mexico or America? I'm in Mexico. Okay. Look, at, you're talking about Daniel Kaluuya, Emerald Fennel, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Gary Oldman. Uh, Baron, Gary Oldman, Sasha Baron Cohen. There's a lot of people that are over in England that could potentially win. And if you look at that article that Manning was referencing, the list is not a short list. It's a pretty good list. It's Chloe Zhao uh, is it in America right now. Uh, so you could that, – that doing a second show like the Golden Globe did for New York and L.A., doing one in England – or Ireland or Scotland or somewhere over there, Great Britain area, and doing one here and just saying, guess what, guys? You're just going to have to suck it up and be up at 3 a.m. in the morning or whatever. Or, or maybe they push it back and it's not at like 8 o'clock and our, our time over in the Eastern. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's in the middle of the it's day or something. No, it is. It's five. Okay, Europe is five hours difference than us. So, mm-hmm. like, for you and me, Manum, Manning, England, they're – it's like two, three o'clock in the afternoon for them. And it's it's seven o'clock in the morning. So if if it's eight o'clock in the morning for them, 
it's like in the middle of the night for us. So maybe we could have our people be in the middle of the night because California is three hours ahead of the East Coast. So think about this. It'd be in the morning for England and in the evening for California, like 8, 9, 10 o'clock around there. Mm -hmm. It'd be in the morning for England. So it actually it would actually make sense to have two shows, have them get up in the morning, go do their show early in the morning, 7, 8 in the morning, and have us California people be 7, 8 at night. This is what I truly think that should transpire. I'm going to give my two cents on this matter because – the academy should be should should they should already have told their plan and what it is. They should announce it today. Yeah. They should announce it today. They should meet in that meeting, and announce it today for all the publicists and the studio executives, so they can know and the studios can plan in advance and be like, "This is what we need." Ideally, the Oscars will work with the studio executives and each people who are in their respective places or their movies will be like, "Hey, have you had the vaccine? When did you get it? We're going to plan and coordinate all this, and you're going to be here. So we want to make sure you can get here. We're going to talk with your governments. We're going to get what we can do." These studio executives will be like, "Hey," because if you look back at the like for the one for England, you can leave if you have a written excuse like for work. The student executives would be like, this is for work. And so they could get out of it if they need to, if they do a quarantine, if they get their vaccine. They should have done this a long time ago. And if anything, this is a failing on the academy for not having a clear plan. And I know it's up in the air, but by this time, y'all should really know. Malcolm, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I was about to say, um, I mean, I'd argue for the people that live in Britain, um, being nominated for the Academy Award is a good reason to travel, to be honest. It is. <laughs> so, I mean, I so, but I mean, but I mean, it's but it's one of those ones like they be, like the Oscars really need to start sorting it because uh, because I know that just using the uh, restrictions that like New Zealand has for travel and that like if we're coming into the country from somewhere else, we have to quarantine for two weeks before we can leave. So I'm assuming that. It's the same for America that um, if you entering there from another country, you do have to quarantine for two weeks. So you need to have at least two weeks for the Oscars. Malcolm and uh, uh, Manning, Grove, can I ask you a question? Are they doing the Baptist live at the same location they always do in the Royal Albert Hall or whatever? That's a great question. I was literally thinking about that yesterday. Uh, and they recently announced who they're going to have hosts in everything, but I'm not exactly sure what they're doing for this. I think they will be doing Zoom, from, but I could be wrong. I, I just want to say, you don't have to uh, be in quarantine before entering the United States. I, you do I not. Back in, well, yeah, no, you don't. So you could just do, you could, Manny, you could literally do half the awards from Royal Albert Hall, like you do in the Baptist, and then the other half from wherever in California. Um, and you could do two ceremonies and have used the British camera crews, use everything over there and have like a conjunction, like with the BBC, the British broadcasting, because they air the, the Baptist. You just do something in conjunction with them and just air it simultaneously. You know? Yeah. I mean, according to, Wikipedia, it's they're still planning to do it at the Royal Albert Hall, but especially if uh, everything's gone to shit, that might not happen because, <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, was um, like, especially if all the restrictions and stuff that have just mm. come into place, um, 
might they might have to end up going to Zoom in the end as well because you could only have you, you they would only have be allowed allowed to have X amount of people there if they're allowed to have anyone there at all. So how many how many uh, movies are nominated like with shorts and everything like in total like for the Oscars or BAFTA? Yes, no, no, not for Best Picture, but like as a whole. Like, oh, jeez. Like what? 40, um, Let's say 40, just to put a number. Sure, like, sure. 40. You need to put 40 different teams of people working right now for their people to be there. And what the f*** are they waiting for to make an announcement? Like, honestly, yes. like, good point. You guys make a valid yeah. point right there. You got 40 people, and there's teams of five nominations, three nominations. <laughs> As uh, Dan mentioned earlier, uh, Borat has like nine writers, something like that. So what are you going to do with those whole nine people? That Those nine people deserve to be there if they're going to win an Oscar, if they've been nominated and be, oh, okay, man, he's going to say something important. Yeah, I am. I've just I just found something out really important. Oh, so BAFTA has confirmed a couple days ago that they are details of the 2021 film awards ceremony. I'm not sure if Malcolm had this as well, too, um, but they're dividing it into two events, one taking place April 10th and one April 11th, both broadcast live on BBC time TBD. One will be on Saturday, which is called the BAFTA Film Awards Opening Night, Saturday, April 10th, live on BBC Two. A total of eight BAFTA winners will be unveiled alongside a showcase of the nominated films. So they'll be showcasing the nominated films and getting people typed up for the tomorrow while giving uh, eight films that night with behind-the-scenes footage highlighting the creative process. Um, uh, blah, 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 they've continued, and they'll be uh, joined by a panel to be announced guests. Uh, again, this could all change if things go really awry. Um, so uh, on Sunday, April 11th, Edith Bowman and Dur uh, Dermont O'Leary will host the full BAFTA Film Awards live on BBC One. The pair are stepping up from their regular red carpet gig to host to full hosting duties. They will be joined by a small group of presenters in person at the Royal Albert Hall, as Malcolm was saying, uh, which with others tuning tuning in from Los Angeles. They will not be live. They will have their own people from los angeles tuning in live all nominees will be will join virtually all nominees will be joined virtually alongside the entire virtual audience the remaining 70 awards will be handed out on this eve including the public voted rising star award and the bafta fellowship so they are adapting and everything so i'm curious to see how this transpires on april 11th or april 10th and then april 11th tell me that doesn't make sense guys I'm curious to see how they're going to do uh, when it says all nominees will, all the presenters will be in person, but the nominees will be joined virtually. I'm curious to see how they did that and how it's coming over to that. Malcolm, I know you're a proponent of wanting them to be in person because I know you're just like me and everyone else. You're tired of the zoom. You're tired of the zoom um, acceptance speeches. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, that could work uh, because I mean, like, especially if you get the, like hire out a studio or something like what they can do for the Oscars is do something similar and they get a studio and sort out a live feed to the studio for um the Oscars and then vice versa then that way they could have so whoever like female Vernon wins an award they can have her getting it up doing her speech um it's going I mean it's going to be one of those ones that's going to need to work out because they may have to adjust the time because one thing I have actually worked out is um, 
and at this very moment in Britain, it it will be it's probably about um twenty to ten at night for Britain. Mm. So if the Oscars were to start maybe at like say three o'clock um EST um and then um uh, then that way it's going to be at a time that um suits um Britain to be able to make this coordination work if that's the way they do decide to go. Um, I mean, it's going to be one of those ones um, that if they... Because if the BAFTAs were a lot earlier, they could be um, they would be able to watch it, see how it worked, and if it's something they want to do. Um, but at this point, it's... Because um, BAFTAs are, what, two weeks before the Oscars? Yes, it'd be too yeah. late. They'd have to plan before that is the sad thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is something like I think dividing it into two days is like the smartest idea that I have heard. Making it a two-day event, one like hey pre-show where we announce some of the winners live for everyone to see, and then the next day we also have it as well too. It's a two-day celebration instead of it's a weekend instead of just having it all crammed into one day. And if you get this far enough in advance and you allow the, the nominees to be there, you make sure they've gotten vaccinated or they've been quarantined for two weeks or whatnot, you let them know in advance, this could actually work to where you have amount of people who could be socially distanced um, and, you know, have like the, the documentary or the international films, the short films for one night. And then the rest, you can have a lot of the artistic things and then maybe the big ones. Just a thought. Maybe yeah. you could predict which awards are going to be won by which people and maybe have those awards nominated or announced at a specific day or whatever. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't, yeah, no, I think it's one of those ones. I don't think they could predict um, what awards, like they can't go, like, well, we think Emil Fennell's going to be winning this award. So <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure we do this the day before. So, um, but, um, yeah. no, but that's true. I mean, uh, you're right. But, I mean, it's one of those ones like when they do they they normally do their the Oscars normally do their scientific and technical awards the day before, don't they? Uh, is it the well, day before? or Is it like a few days before? I, I thought it was like a week before, but I don't know. I could be wrong. It's it's any time it is before, and they pre-record that, or they but the, instead of pre-recording it, make it live, make it live for us to watch and see the day before. I think that'd make it a lot more easily accessible for people. I think that's the best thing for us to do, especially during this time, because. Look, Oscars, I know you don't watch our podcast, listen to our podcast, but just think, you're going to have to make some sacrifice somewhere. And if you want everyone to show up, you're going to have to work hard for that. You can't just say it and then expect them to be there. If you want people to show up, you're going to have to work for them to show up. And that is something you have to come to the realization. And that's just my two cents on the matter. Yeah, the, the, if you want a show, it's not going to be easy to do a show. You, no. Everybody's got to work. And, and to work together to it is possible yeah yeah to to be able to make this show happen that's the bottom line um apparently the Oscars have already done this on difficult and technical awards this year wow. when did they do it it, it well i mean it, i i think this was when the oscars were supposed to be in february but like they normally are uh, yeah. okay. because it, this happened it happened virtually um february the 13th 2021 Oh, okay. um, 
And I should remember that because um, they had a speech from Kathleen Kennedy and James Cameron there. And I know the Kathleen Kennedy one kind of got a little bit uh, ripped apart. Yeah. Abe, any thoughts you have? No. <laughs> no, like. All right. No, like, at all. Like, it's some. You have to sacrifice something if you want to get something. Is gonna be a PR nightmare at the end. Like if if anything, anything we're doing before or predicting the winners or whatever, that's a PR nightmare that I don't think they're willing to say. Because if you try, um, if you try to predict the winners, what's gonna happen? They're gonna say they're probably rigged, and they don't want that. Yeah, they don't point. want even the mention of that. Mm. So that's not possible. I think good the point. Good point, the two day ceremony sounds interesting because you you can have different groups of people. I yeah, don't know how many numbers? people nominated are, are around what between 100 and 150 people not less probably less less than 100 people so you you have a theater that allows like how many people are allowing the Kodak theater where they usually do the Oscar like 3,000 something like that right you can have 100 people there just the nominated people but it's also like do they want to be there you went to that and as, as uh, we've been commenting the whole like i don't know 20 40 minutes uh you don't have all the people there there's people that live in other countries where the situation is not the same as in the in the united states even california where in california you get your vaccine as an adult uh from april 12th you're sure that you can get a vaccine i don't know how it's in your states but in california that that's what the governor said like from April April twelfth and ahead, any adult can get the vaccine. So, hmm. it's a hard situation to manage, and I, yeah. that's why I don't work at the Oscars because I will make a super decision with that. <laughs> also, because I'm a biology major, and that makes no sense. <laughs> not a business major, not a business, not a guy, yeah, not a guy in charge business. of business. I mean, it's not that much like you'd think. A lot of the celebrities would have been vaccinated or um, be really high up the by this chain. time. You know, you I, I want to quote. I want to quote somebody that it's not well like in the world right now. Louis C.K. Do you remember when he presented the, the commentary, the documentary film that he said some people are going back what home in say? a Honda Civic. So, some people like when he was he said that, and that's true. No, nobody, no, none of the, not every nominee has the privilege that some have. So yeah, like you know, that's true. Me, with all respect, Emerald Fennel, she has the same money as I don't know a Gary Oldman that has been working thirty years in you know, no. awards. Like, yeah, but she and has money talks in the world. She's oh, been yeah. on the pound, so she's making some money. No, yeah, she is. Like, uh, it's money it's just no, and it, it's just I guess it goes along the ways to see like where are we by April twenty fifth? Where is the world by April twenty fifth when it comes to COVID? I'm just curious. And I'm curious to see how that's going to change because obviously we're gonna keep you guys updated as soon as it happens because we're about a month away now, little month and change, or, or month or a little less than a month um, away. So I'm excited to see how that transpires. But um, that guys, that's the show. That is the show for Gone with the Wind this week. I thought it was gonna be a little shorter, but we had gotten to a good discussion about what this means for. Um, the the Oscars because with BAFTA now setting their plan in, will the Oscars follow suit? Will they actually give direction? I think this is a call more than anything else for the Oscars to get their act together and actually send out and let people know what their actual plan is. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Abe, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at AbrahamF25 and that's it. I don't want you to follow me anywhere else. Just follow me on Twitter. I'm happy with it. 
We'll follow everyone in theaters over here. Malcolm, where can they find you? Um, you can find you can find me um in movie theaters in New Zealand because our theaters are open. <laughs> um, but um, you can find me on Tape Free Productions. Where I host Rankum every um Saturday night. Um, and this week's topic is wrestling. I think wrestling. WrestleMania entrances uh, is winning at the moment, but anything can change between now and when I decide to um, announce. But um, also find me later to, well, no, you can't because um, this is being recorded, but um, <laughs> you can find me hosting uh, Four Wheel Classic on Sundays. Um, and um, yeah, and we didn't really talk about movies that we'd seen this week. Um, go watch Jews and the Black Messiah. It's good. Hey, and then Dan, where can they find you? You can find me at um, Dan Skip Allen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Also, uh, I'm a film critic in the Orlando, Florida area uh, of the United States, and I write for a website called disappointmentmedia.com. Don't at me. I didn't come up with the name. I just write for them. Uh, I write all kinds of different things um, for them. I do a little bit of awards coverage as well. Uh, also, my own personal blog from the fourth row at WordPress.com. So if you want to read anything that I have written, those are the two places you can go. I do a couple YouTube shows, uh, the Top 5 Weekly, where myself and a guest discuss a various topic about the movies, that whatever movies out. In the, and I'm doing a four-week series about the Academy Awards. So uh, stay tuned for that. Also, my summer series will be starting in June. Bleacher Features, where myself and a guest discuss a sports movie. And I know Malcolm's been chopping at the bit to get on that, so I might get him on next year. Uh, so those are the two places, all the places you can find me. And you can find me right here on Take 3 Productions. I am the host of Gone with the Wind and my YouTube channel, Manning Franks, as well as my Twitter, Cine underscore man, that's C-I-N-E underscore M-A-N-N. -N. Yes, two N's, you heard that right. And... Thank you guys for listening. Listening? I guess listening, because there's no faces. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Gone with the Wind. Thank you all again, and I can't wait to see you all at the movies, for real this time. Bye-bye.